Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Hey, a little disclaimer up front here with my voice. Anybody else battling some crud this morning? Okay. There's a battle going on inside of me between the cold medications and the caffeine and the coffee, and I'm hoping the caffeine will win. All right, we'll see. So the biggest question that faces every single human being on this planet is this. What happens to us when we die? I mean, is that it? Is that the end or is there something after? Is there a heaven? And if so, what is it like? And, you know, we live in a culture that is fascinated by the supernatural. I mean, just walk into a bookstore, you'll see all kinds of self-help books on how to tap into spiritual power for your life, your business, your marriage. But the interesting thing to me is at the same time, we're kind of in denial about death. I mean, let's face it, people really don't like to talk about death. If you've ever been through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University course, when it gets to the section on life insurance, Dave Ramsey says, we really should be calling this what? Death insurance. But nobody would buy it if we did that, right? Because people don't like to think about death. They don't like to talk about death. But as best as I can tell, the human mortality rate is still right at about 100%, which means we're all going to die. We're all going to die. So it's about time we talked about it. Yeah, the story is told about three buddies just kind of hanging out together, discussing their life and experiences. And one of them tosses out this question, what would you like people to say at your funeral? Well, the first friend goes, you know, for me, I would like people to say that I was an amazingly gifted surgeon who saved a lot of lives. The other friend says, nah, that's not me. For me, I'd like to be remembered as a good family man. I'd like people to say that I was a great husband, great father. And the third guy says, really? That's what you guys want people to say at your funeral. At my funeral, I want people to say, hey, look, he's moving. (laughs) Now, here's what's so strange. More and more of these are coming out on a daily basis. These experiences where people are pronounced clinically dead. I'm talking no brain activity, heartbeat to cease, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, some even 90 minutes. And they're being resuscitated by the medical technology that we have today. And they're coming back and telling us about these experiences. And we're calling them near-death experiences or NDEs. And I want to show you what one of these looks like. Okay, check this out. Dr. Mary Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who shares her medical practice and her love for outdoor adventure with her husband, Bill. In 1999, they planned an adventure that took Mary on a spiritual journey few have taken and returned to talk about. My husband and I really enjoy kayaking. We enjoy traveling. We speak Spanish. We've traveled internationally a number of times. And so for my husband's birthday, I said, okay, this is the year we're, we're going to do it. So we went to Chile for a vacation to kayak. After a week of kayaking, Bill sat out the final day with a sore back. Mary and the rest of their group kayaked through a treacherous stretch of the river. These are drops of 10 to 15 feet, 20 feet maybe, which for an experienced kayaker is not a crazy thing. I went over the main drop and as I crested over the drop, I could see 
the tremendous turbulence and tremendous volume. And as I hit the bottom of the drop, the front end of my boat became pinned. I and my boat were immediately and completely submerged. I was absolutely pressed to the front deck of the boat. And I couldn't move my arms even back far enough to reach my spray skirt, let alone push myself out. I very sincerely asked that God's will be done. And I meant it. After several minutes of searching, the group leaders realized Mary was trapped under the falls. They came out on the rocks and they kept trying to get to the boat, but the force and the volume of the water was such that they just kept being flushed through. I mean, they just couldn't get to me. At one point, they sort of recognized that it was really turning into body recovery, uh, not so much of a rescue. I know I've been underwater too long to be alive, yet I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And this is more real than anything I've ever experienced. So thousands and thousands of people all around the world are having these near-death experiences. And what they describe is they should be dead, but they actually feel more alive than they've ever felt before. Some describe not just having five senses, but more than 50 senses in this experience that they're going through. Now, in the case of Dr. Mary Neal, she was dead for 30 minutes. Okay, 15 minutes of those, she was underwater. Just try to imagine that one minute without breath, two minutes without breath, three minutes without breath, four minutes without breath, five minutes without breath. And so she describes being released from her body and kind of hovering over it while she's watching the people try to get to her. And eventually they get her out and they spend 15 minutes resuscitating her until she comes back into her body. And during that time, she says that she traveled outside of this existence and experienced unbelievable things that are common to those who have these near-death experiences. Now, the question you should be asking is, skeptical? <laughs> you better believe it. Like, I'm skeptical of this, right? If people start telling stories like this, I'm like, what? Really? Where does this come from? And I think there are at least two questions you need to wrestle with when it comes to this whole thing. The first question is this, are these near-death experiences credible? Like, is there any evidence to suggest that this is actually something that's real? The second question would be this, is it biblical? Like, does the Bible line up with what these people are experiencing? So we're gonna tackle both of those questions this morning. And I just wanna say up front here, as we get into the first question, I'm incredibly frustrated because I can only give you a little taste of all the information that's out there. There is so much evidence, but we simply don't have the time to cover it all. And so at the end, I'm gonna leave you with a resource that you can take home and read, and it'll help you as you process through this. But our first question is this, are these near-death experiences credible? Is there really any evidence to suggest that this could be true? Couple points I wanna make, and then we'll get into some medical discussion. The first point I wanna make is that this is actually a global phenomenon. Massive numbers of people all around the world are having these near-death experiences. In fact, according to the Gallup organization, they estimate that 13 million Americans have had a near-death experience. <clears throat> that translates to one in every 25 individuals. So that means in a room like this, in a service like this, there are a few people who have had a near-death experience. I personally talked with a couple people who have described being pronounced dead and being outside of their body. It's very profound. The second point that I want to make is that many of these people who are telling these stories, they've got nothing to be gained from telling a fanciful story. 
When you think about someone like Dr. Mary Neal, a spine surgeon or bank presidents, airline pilots, tenured college professors, coming out with this kind of stuff, people are gonna think you're off your rocker. I mean, there's nothing to be gained. They don't need the money. It's not gonna enhance their life in any significant kind of way. And folks, this is a global phenomenon. It's happening all around the world. So let me dive into just a little bit of the medical and scientific evidence here, because it's very profound. Cardiologist Dr. Michael Sabum said this. He said, I didn't believe that there was such a thing as a near-death experience until Pete told me he had left his body during his first cardiac arrest and watched the resuscitation. So he's present in the room, somehow watching what they're doing to his body. Sabum says, these people like Pete Morton saw details of their resuscitation that they could not otherwise have seen. Pete described the resuscitation with such detail and accuracy that I could have later used the tape to teach physicians how to do a heart procedure. One patient noticed the physician who failed to wear scuffs over his white shoes during open heart surgery. In many cases, I was able to confirm the patient's testimony with medical records and with hospital staff. Now, Dr. Sabum, he studied near-death experiences for five years with the goal of trying to prove that there's some kind of scientific explanation that would explain away what they're going through. And after five years of study, he compiled his report, actually got an article published in the JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, one of the most prestigious medical journals. Well, another guy, Dr. Jeff Long, radiation oncologist, read that article and said, bunk, there is no way. And then out of curiosity, he started to talk to some of his patients. And lo and behold, some of them told similar stories. And so Dr. Jeff Long set out to disprove near-death experiences. To date, he and his daughter have studied over 4,500 documented cases of near-death experiences. And not only is he now a believer in near-death experiences, he's also a believer in Jesus Christ because of what his patients have told him. Written two books on the subject. One of them became a New York Times bestseller. He's one of the foremost experts. He travels all around the globe talking on this topic. Now, there are about 20 different ideas that have been postulated, okay? 20 different ideas that have been postulated as to what could be going on besides these people having some kind of experience outside of their body and getting a taste into the afterlife. But those have been studied and thoroughly debunked, okay? There are over 900 articles that have been written in scientific and scholarly journals. Uh, 55 research teams have done major research on this. This is not a small topic, okay? A lot of people are researching this and coming to the same conclusion. And so Dr. Jeff Long, he writes this, and I want you to listen carefully because it gets a little bit complicated here. He says, with a flat EEG, okay, that means there's no recorded brain activity. With a flat EEG, there is, he says, no chance that the electrical activity in the lower parts of the brain could account for the highly lucid and orderly experiences described by near-death experience. He said, lucidity coupled with the predictable order of elements established that NDEers are not dreaming or hallucinating, nor are they due to any other cause of impaired brain functioning. In other words, what he's saying is, as the brain shuts down, we would expect a diminishment in people, that they would see less, that they would understand less, because the brain is actually no longer functioning. But instead, what they're describing is so lucid, so specific, so detailed, and they're actually remembering it. In fact, their descriptions go beyond what the average human being could do. I mean, think about this. How many of you remember the person's name that you greeted earlier coming in, right? I mean, that's our normal human brain. 
But these people are experiencing something that is so hyped up, it goes beyond explanation. So let me make three quick observations here. First of all, people are describing things that are happening in their surroundings while they're clinically dead. Okay, they say they're coming out of their body and they're actually able to describe in detail the procedures that are taking place. And you have to ask the question, well, how is that possible when nothing is going on brain-wise? Second, this phenomenon is happening worldwide and people are reporting the same kinds of things. That they come out of their bodies, they leave their surroundings, they go into a spiritual realm, and then they describe very similar things like this. Separation from their physical body, heightened senses, passing through a tunnel, finding the presence of a brilliant light at the end of the tunnel that is actually a person that most of them describe as light, love, and God. And this is common all over the world, regardless of their religion or whatever. Brilliant light, meeting others, family members and friends who have died and gone on before them. A life review where everything in their life from beginning to end is reviewed by the person of light. And finally, a return to the body. Okay, and those are just a few of the things that they have in common. Now, not all experiences have every one of them, but a lot of them are common in people all around the world. And here's the third one that I think is very interesting. Blind people who have had near-death experiences, they describe the same visual aspects as those who have their sight. So listen to this. People who were born blind and had never seen a tree or grass are giving the exact same descriptions of what the grass and trees in this realm in heaven look like. Same descriptions as the other people who've been seeing all their lives. In one case, Vicky, blind from birth, left her body after a car accident where she was pronounced dead. Then she had her life reviewed sitting with this person of love and light. He went through everything she ever did in her lifetime. And during this review, two of her childhood playmates were a part of her life review. And when she returned, she described their physical characteristics precisely. Now she had never ever seen them in real life. And yet she was able to describe them in vivid detail. And so you have to ask yourself the question, is it possible that there's something to this? That this phenomenon could be giving us some kind of evidence of a life after this life. And there's so much information that's out there that you really have to wrestle with. Now, some of you, if you've been around for a while, you may remember when these near-death experiences first started to come out and they were being reported. In the early years, there were only a handful of them. And a lot of people, they were misconstruing them. They were using them in crazy ways. Okay, if you were a part of a Christian church, you may remember a movement that swept across our country during the psychedelic days of drug, sex, and rock and roll. And part of that movement was a connection with Eastern mysticism that called itself the New Age Movement. And the leaders of the New Age Movement, what they did, they latched on to these near-death experiences. And they said, see, this proves reincarnation, right? It proves we all go into the light. We all just go into the Brahman. And so a lot of churches got scared and started preaching against this. Some of you may have grown up in a church that preached against this. Well, between that period of time and now, though, there's been so much more evidence, so much more scientific study, including people who have taken these near-death experiences and paralleled them with what the Bible has to say. One of those individuals is actually a pastor here in the Austin area. His name is John Burke. John, he was an agnostic. He was in college and his dad was passing away. And while he was there at his father's bedside, one of the first books ever written on near-death experiences was sitting on a table there. And so he picks it up and he reads it all in one sitting. 
And as he's reading, he's kind of thinking, well, what's this death thing all about anyway? By the time he finished reading that book, he said, wow, maybe there is evidence of life after this life. So the next year, John joins the Bible studies. First time in his life he's ever been interested in spiritual, religious things. And through that Bible study, he puts his faith in Jesus Christ. Then John, he quits his engineering company, becomes a pastor, moves to Austin, plants a church, and he continues to study near-death experiences and how they parallel with what the Bible has to say. He writes a book a number of years ago called Imagine Heaven, quickly hits the New York Times bestseller list. And in this book, he talks about how he has studied over a thousand descriptions and how they parallel what the Bible has to say. And people, I gotta tell you, it's fascinating. It is really fascinating. Is it possible that what the Bible describes as the afterlife, that in some way, shape or form, people are getting a little taste of that and they're coming back to tell us about it? That they're giving us evidence, even today in a culture where most people like to pretend there is nothing after this life, that God is trying to show us there is and we need to pay attention and we need to let this challenge our thinking and move forward. And John Burke, he travels all over the world talking about this because people are fascinated by this. Churched people and unchurched people alike. And I gotta tell you, when I picked up this book, started reading it, it kind of blew my mind. It's really good stuff. So when it comes to this question, are these near-death experiences credible? I've given you just a little taste of information, okay? But as I said earlier, I'm gonna give you a resource at the end that'll give you even more evidence. But the second question I think we gotta wrestle with, and this is the biggie, is this biblical? Do what we hear from these people, does it line up with what the Bible has to say? And again, I only have a little bit of time, so I'm frustrated this morning. I can't give you a whole lot. But I need to say up front that I believe that the Bible and the Bible alone is thoroughly, absolutely trustworthy. That the God who created heaven, lives in heaven, sent his son Jesus from heaven to describe heaven to us, that's way more accurate than anyone's personal experience. So whatever the Bible says, I believe that that's the only absolute source of truth. Second, I would say this, whenever somebody has an experience, okay, they're always going to interpret it through their own understanding, right? And so you have to be a little bit skeptical at least when somebody tries to put something in their own words from their own perspective. I mean, at the scene of an automobile accident, people often have differing reports of the same accident, right? Why? Because they're seeing it from different angles. That's why you guys are so frustrated with instant replay, right? Many of you guys will be yelling at your TV today. I know it because you got like, what, five or six refs out there. They have to stop the game every couple minutes because nobody can agree on what they saw. And so when they're having these experiences and they're just trying to describe them from their own unique words and perspectives, of course, they're gonna see things a little different. And here's the third thing I wanna say by way of a disclaimer. According to the descriptions of people who've had these near-death experiences, a majority of them report that they got close Okay? meaning that they had some kind of a connection to the afterlife where they moved in and felt and experienced some things, but they also knew there was a barrier that they couldn't cross. And they could sense the state they were in was not final, that they had some kind of an option to return. So rather than being in the room, many felt like they were looking through the window into something that is way more significant than what they were experiencing. So if somebody were to be resuscitated at any point along the way, in their experience, they might describe it a little bit differently. But when you start to look at thousands of these stories, you see common threads that parallel what we see in the Bible. In fact, when it comes to this question, is this biblical? 
I would submit to you that the apostle Paul had an experience that he describes in the New Testament that sounds just like a near-death experience. Listen to what he has to say. This is 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the first thing that's interesting to me here is that Paul doesn't say his own name, does he? Even though we find out later on in the chapter, he is describing himself. There's no doubt about that. But I think this experience is so weird to him that he doesn't even identify himself as the person when he talks about being caught up into the third heaven. He says later on in the chapter, he was caught up into paradise. That means he's not describing heaven number one, like the atmosphere that we see, or heaven number two, the galaxy of stars. He's talking about being right in the presence of God. That's the third heaven. And listen to how he puts it. He says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. Do you see Paul struggling here? Like, I don't know. Am I in the body? Am I out of the body? A lot of NDEers will describe things like this. Like, there's my body, but, but here's me. Like, I don't know. Right? My consciousness is here, but I'm looking down at my body. It sounds similar to what Paul is describing. Paul says, I heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Inexpressible things. Anybody here ever read the book of Revelation? Now, the apostle John, he is in the presence of heaven. And he starts trying to put down in human words what he's seeing. And it gets kind of confusing because how do you describe a being that's outside of our dimension and put that into human words? He also says things that man is not permitted to tell. Daniel the prophet, Ezekiel the prophet, the apostle John, they all had points in time where it was like, you know what? Don't write that down. Don't put that down. Paul is experiencing something just like that here. Very, very interesting. Now, what I want to do is I want to take two characteristics, main characteristics of near-death experiences across the board, and I'm going to show you how they line up exactly with what the Bible says. But guess what? We're going to do that next week, okay? <clears throat> I told you I was frustrated. I ran out of time, okay? Sorry. But... Now, I need to answer this question. Why am I sharing this message with you? Why do this? A couple of reasons. First of all, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know, people, what you have on the other side, it's beyond incredible. And you should be so, so excited about it. You should be living for that. Next week, we're gonna get into more details and it's gonna blow your mind. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're battling depression. And you might even be thinking, well, you know what? Maybe I should just end my life and go be with Jesus. I would tell you that's the wrong way to think. God has you here on this earth for a purpose. And the more you know that and you believe that and you know that on the other side, you understand it's gonna be so much better, the more joy you'll have and you can just focus on living for him today. But the problem is so many of us, if we're honest, we are so wrapped up in what's gonna happen this afternoon, right? Are the Vikings gonna lose? And if so, by how many points, right? <laughs> We're so wrapped up in what's gonna happen you know, next week and, and, and how do I scrap and claw to get ahead in life? Because if I don't get in the here and now, I'll never have it. Oh, that's so wrong, so mistaken. If you only knew the God of love and life, how incredible it's gonna be there. If you could only imagine heaven, it would change how you live your life today. So we're gonna talk more about that next week. 
Another reason I share this with you is because I know you have friends who probably aren't real excited about talking with you about your relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know this information because I think it's pretty compelling. I think it could be interesting to them. And I want you to have conversations with those friends. So to make it easier, what they've done is they've taken John's big book right here and they've condensed it down to a very little book, okay? So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna give each one of you a copy of this little book called What's After Life, if you'll promise me this, okay? Here it is. I want you to read this book in the next week or so. Take the time to read this book. It's about an 80-minute read. Some of you will be faster, some slower, about an hour and 20 minutes. Some of you, you'll read it straight through. Others of you will spread it out. But I want you to read it. And if you're still going, eh, I'm a bit skeptical, there's always the 300-page book, right? <clears throat> Lots more evidence here. Okay? So read it, and then I want you to pass it along. We all know somebody who somewhere along the line we've tried to talk with them like, yeah, yeah I'm not interested. Let me, let me tell you, this is fast. People are interested in this. Church people, unchurched people, they're very interested in this and it might strike up a conversation. Just give it a shot. So grab the copy. It's underneath your chair. Right, grab the copy, take it, read it, pass it along. Deal? Deal. Okay, good. Deal or no deal? Now next week, we're gonna talk more about how these near-death experiences line up with the Bible, including people, the sombering fact that not all of these are positive. Some are a precursor to a life separated from God, eternal life separated from God. More on that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in what surely is becoming rapidly the, the last days, you are giving testimony. You are giving testimony of a life after this life. And you work in miraculous ways. We, we heard that last week through our missionary, Terry Spinelli, and how you're giving people in tribes, just different areas of the world, visions in India, all over the place. And you're doing all sorts of crazy, incredible, miraculous things to draw people to yourself, whether it's dreams or visions or near-death experiences. And God, as we wrestle with these truths, and, and I know it's, it's easy to be skeptical about these things, I pray that you would just um, help us. God, help us to really uh, come to you and ask you about the reality of these things. And as we see how they line up with scriptures, it's, it's pretty remarkable. God, I pray that for us as believers, it would give us great hope and encouragement. That as Jesus said, we would store up our treasures in heaven. We would start getting excited about the life that is to come that's the real life this is not the real life the real life that's going to be amazing is yet to come and I pray that we would use this as motivation God that we could just read this book and pass it along because I know already people who have not believed have read this and just been blown away and come to faith in you and I'm convinced that as we join together with other churches in the Georgetown area the greater Austin area around Easter time and and talk about this even more, that you're going to lead hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people to faith. Because that's your desire, that none would perish. So God, we love you. We thank you so much for the grace that you've given us. We thank you for your immense love for us and how you're willing to give us testimony of that love. And I pray that it would motivate us on a day in and day out basis to live for you and to live for the life that is to come.
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.